when I met Hartley, I think we weren't doing anything in the church, we were just attending my parents' church back in Adelaide, and uh, I came to this conference, and uh, I love surfing, and so Hartley heard that I liked surfing while I was here in Sydney, and uh, I hadn't brought a surfboard, so Hartley said to me, he says, oh, would you like to borrow a surfboard? But I'd never met Hartley. He was just this nice-looking guy that walked up to me and said, I heard you're a surfer, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and, and he goes, well, I've got a board, would you like to borrow my board and go for a surf? And I said, okay, a bit weird from a stranger, you know, being offered, offered a surfboard. So I took his surfboard, I said, thanks, mate, for that. I took a surfboard, uh, my wife and I went to the beach, I went out, I think it was uh, Manly Beach, D-Y. D-Y, and I took a surfboard out, I was out there for maybe half an hour, I caught maybe three or four waves, and then I got this one wave, it was a cracker wave, it was a big wave, and I pulled into this big tube, and I'm in this tube, and I, I didn't come out, the wave swallowed me up. And I was thinking, this is awesome, I'm in Sydney, I've got a surfboard, I'm surfing. And I came up from that wave, and I swam back to the surface, and uh, there was this borrowed surfboard completely in two. And I'm like, oh no. And so I took the surfboard, I put it back in the board bag. I went back to Oxford Falls Church, and I passed this guy, Hartley Taylor, I passed him his surfboard back, but the bag was, of course, all flopping around. And I said to him, I said, I'm so sorry. I think I had like $300 on me. So I gave him the 300 cash. I said, look, and when I get back to Adelaide, I'll give you some more money. And he took the money and he took his board and sort of looked at it. And and then uh, the service ended and he walks back up to me and he goes, oh, here's your cash back. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm just glad I got to meet you and all the best. And uh, so I've just, they're such a nice, here's the nicest guy in the world. I don't think I've ever met anyone so nice. So I got this little thing that I wrote about Hartley. Uh, It's it's actually Hartley. So Hartley is humble and honouring. He's always generous. He's respectful. He's tenacious. Uh, We're up to L. He's loving in a man way. He's encouraging. He's young at heart. And I've got some others. He's a blessing. He's a true friend in Christ. And I'm honoured to be in your world Hartley. Natalie is from South Australia, so she is just anointed from the get-go. Natalie, she's never selfish, always discerning, thoughtful, attractive, life-giving, intensely gracious, engaging, self-sacrificing, secretly powerful, packs a punch. To me that, uh, I would like to actually, uh, just before we go any further, I'd like to just say a word over Hartley and Natalie, such an amazing couple that leads such a great church. This church is awesome. I love being here, the venue, the building. You guys are amazing. And uh, I know it's been a big week for you guys. You had the spectacular last week, and then you had another spectacular this week, and now today's kind of just average and not so spectacular. And you're like, okay, get to the point. But let me just, let me just, uh, in Romans 9 verse 20, actually Hartley and Nats, why don't you come up? Pastor Hartley and Pastor Natalie, come up on stage, and I'm going to try and not cry. I'm a bit of a crier, just, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to try and not cry, but these really are two of the most amazing people I know, and so in Romans, I want to speak this word, in Romans chapter 9, verse 20, it says, but indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honour and another for dishonour? 
I love the way that passage of Scripture starts. Who are you to reply against God? And I feel like God would say to you this morning, I've chosen to use you for honour. I'm going to honour you, not because of a program, not because of a system, not because of a structure, but because who you are and the spirit that he has put on you. And so I feel like even to say to you, Nat, fear not, for who are you to reply against God? The spirit of the living God is on you. So do not be afraid of what God is going to use you for honour. Some are going to speak to you and they're going to ask, why is she getting to do all this? Why is their church growing? Why are they see, seeing souls saved? Simply because God is the one that can raise one up and God is the one that can put one down and God has decided to raise you guys up. You're going to be honoured. You're going to be blessed. This church is going to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Do not be afraid of what I will do with you, though, says the Lord. I'm going to do great things, and because I am doing it for you, says the Lord, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to honor you, I'm going to respect you. It's not going to be too much for you. You can do it, fear not. Amen. Amen. What a great... Let me just start. Let's pray for them. Let's all stand up. Like, last night, this girl was at Bankstown with three kids. Her husband left her and just came out with me to party. No, we were at the graduation, but amazing couple. That every week serve and sow. And so let's, let's, can we all stretch out our hands this morning and believe God, Father, right now, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet as they come to the end of this year, Lord, God, we pray as a church they're going to be strengthened, encouraged, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Let the spirit of power come upon them. Let a new anointing come upon them, Lord, in Jesus' name, God. Bless them, Lord. Bless them this year. Bless them. Bless their family, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's take a seat. Phenomenal. You should always pray for your leaders because while you pray for your leaders, it's very hard to hate them at the same time. And so it pays to pray for them. Hey, I wanted to show you a photo. Did we get a photo of my family? Yeah, there we are. Come on. That's how we dress back in Adelaide. That's us. And so 2016 dreaming, there's my, look at my beautiful warrior princess wife and my ballerina daughter and my surfer son and uh, I don't know what I am actually. I just thought it was cool that I could hold a sword and had a gun. And uh, I'm going to beat off, I was telling Jesse this morning, he said, yeah, you can just kill some baddies. And I thought, yeah, I got a gun, I got a sword, I'm going to kill some baddies. That's what we're here to do today. So, uh, 2016 dreaming, it's funny, like, I get a lot of ideas from prayer. It's interesting how God speaks to you through prayer, and uh, God will always speak to you out of His Word, and then prayer is the thing that literally shines upon the Word that's in you. So when you've got the Word of God in you, there will become a light or a spirit from heaven, and when God speaks to you, He will speak to you based on the level of Word that you have in you. So when we read the Word of God and we've got the Word of God in us, when God speaks to us, He'll speak literally to us through His Word. And so it's an interesting thing that as the Spirit of God comes, it's the Word that's in us that it's like, uh, I, got this, uh, I got this cool idea. You can put that photo down. But I got this cool idea, and I want to call it the Illumination Project. It would be, I haven't even started it yet. It I thought of it last week, and nothing's come of it yet. But it, I thought about it, that God illuminates His Word. That's how God speaks to us. He literally, it's like a light shines on the word that's in our heart, and then there's a reflection of the word. It'd be really awkward, though, if we didn't know the word. It'd be awkward if we didn't have the word of God in us, because then we'd become all spiritual and all weird and 
crazy, and, and the Word is the thing that grounds us. So I've got to say to you that make sure you read, like Sienna did this morning, make sure you read your Bible. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. God loves His Word. The Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of bone and marrow. The Word of God is powerful. God has done everything from now till the future through His Word. Constantly uses the Word of God. In fact, for us, uh, Hartley mentioned we bought this building. Uh, We owned this small block of land. It was about 3,000 square meters. Our, Our church owned this block of land. We were driving past the land one day, and I felt like God speak to me out of His Word. He said, the place in which you dwell is too small. That's a scripture that I'd read maybe like a year beforehand. So I'd read the scripture, it had somehow got into my heart, I'd forgotten about it, and then like a year later, God brings that scripture that He'd put in my heart and says, hey, Tim, the place in which you dwell is too small. That one word, we decided to sell that block of land, which we, so we put the land on the market, we were going to then go and buy this other block of land in this industrial zone. Uh, we were about to sign the contract, then this church building came up for sale. It was amazing. This, this like 700-seat auditorium, all done, church building. And uh, I had another word, though. The other word I had was, I will do a new thing, says the Lord. So I had two conflicting words. One was, the place in which you dwell is too small, and the other was, I'm going to do a new thing. I didn't know which, which, which was what. So I thought the new thing meant we were to build a brand new building. Then this church building came up for sale. And so I stood up in front of our whole congregation and I said, we are not going to buy the church building because God has spoken a word to us that he's going to do a new thing. I was like, good. Everyone clapped and cheered. Yeah. Gonna do a new th- yeah I'm the guy with the sword in the ground. Yeah. And so... Uh, that week, we had a meeting with some businessmen in our church, and uh, they all said, you know, commercially, it's a great uh, idea to buy the building that's already all done. It's zoned, it's a church already, you should do that. I'm like, no, 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 because God spoke a word that we're to do a new thing. And so I felt, and so, but all the guys in this meeting are like, no, 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 uh, this is, it makes way more sense to go and buy this already built church. And I thought, I'm not going to do something without a word from God. I'm not even going to attempt to go and build God a church if he hasn't said do it. And so I left that meeting that day, I drove to that building, I drove into the car park, and I literally felt like God had his hands over my eyes, covering my eyes, and as I drove into the car park, it was like he took his hands off my eyes, and he said, this is for you. And I just, I burst into tears. I started sobbing and weeping in this car park, as God, it's like God was more excited about what he was going to do than I was. It was like, eyes covered, Tim, Tim, wait, wait, do you see this? Look, here it is. Just, no, don't look yet, don't look, look now, look, it's for you. It was an already made, already zoned church building on this street corner, which is exposed, it was unbelievable. And it all came from a word, one word from God. It's amazing that God can speak a word, and whatever word he's spoken over your life will come to pass. There is enough power in his word that nothing can oppose that word. In fact, I was saved through a word. My, my story is a little, uh, my parents were pastors of a church and uh, from the age of about 14 to 20, I stopped going to church. And I remember the day my older brother came into the room and he was stoned. He'd been smoking marijuana. And uh, he came into the room, and there he was, stoned. I was 14 years old, and he said, would you like some of this as well? 
I said, okay. And that was my, for the next, from 14 to 20, I was addicted to drugs. And so that was my life. At the age of 18, I moved out of home and I started growing and selling drugs as well. Please don't lose respect for me. Uh, <clears throat> that's just what, that was the life that I lived. I was living with my fiance at the time, who's now my wife. And that was what I was into. And I was kind of left feeling a little, I thought that was living the dream. I was, I could go surfing every day. I had money. I drove a nice car. We were living in this apartment on the Esplanade. And I thought I should be happy. I didn't have to work. It was amazing. And, but yet I was so lost on the inside that one day I went up to my mum's house. Mum had no idea what I was doing. And I said to mum, I said, mum, I'm feeling a little flat. What should I do? And she said, well, you know, your father and I have always gone to church and we believe in the Word of God. And Why don't you take the Bible home and have a read of the Bible? And I, I swore, sorry, but I swore at her. I said, Mum, you and Dad always trying to push the same bleep, 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 bleep stuff on us. I've come to you now. I'm actually asking for help. And this is what you say to me in this time. I don't want the Word. And so she said, look, well, I can't help you then. Why don't you just take the Bible home? So I did. I took it home. I took the Bible home and I sat down at my coffee table and I had a bong in one hand and a Bible in the other and I started smoking a bong and reading the Bible. And the interesting thing is, is that God is not intimidated by sin. God is not intimidated by sin. We as Christians have a grace line and our grace line often is right behind where we are. Just because God has rescued you out of a place and now we can be judgmental on others that haven't come as far as we are. But I remember exactly where I was when God found me. I was in that room, I was smoking drugs and I was reading the Bible at the same time. And uh, I read a word in there that said something like, give up your wicked ways. That word spoke to me and once again I was a sobbing mess, crying in my lounge room on my own with a Bible in one hand and a bong in the other. I'm telling you, that day, there was a fight that happened in the heavenlies. There was a fight between the Word of God. There was a fight between a Bible and there was a fight between a bong. I'm telling you, the Bible won. The Bible won the fight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today if it was not for the Word of God. So everything I'm going to say to you, comes, it comes out of my heart. Because literally, this Word has saved me. It has saved me out of that life through one simple word. One word of God is there's so much power in one word. That's why he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It was Jesus Christ that constantly spoke the word about what was going to happen to him. It's the word of God that will speak to you, it'll speak to me. You will find yourself in the word. Let me, I'm getting excited already. I'm just excited to be at Silverwater. It's awesome. Power of God. I tell you what, you're going to finish the year better than you started. What's our scripture? Crown the year with goodness. We're, we're starting a new series today, but I'm not going to read that out. Okay, in Hebrews 11, verse 22, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, says this, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, isn't that just a great start? By faith, Joseph, when he was dying. He, Joseph died in faith. Even if you're dying, you can die in faith. 
Joseph's faith was so strong that even when he was dying, he was in faith. Because you've got to understand something, that this is not the end. So let me just go on. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Let me go back up to verse 13. Hebrews 11:13 says, These all died in faith. I, Hartley said, whatever you do, don't leave your message there. Shall we close in prayer? Let's go on. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We are simply passing through. I've got to make a promise to you, and I'm sorry if this is news to you, but at some point you will die. No one looks shocked. You You knew that would happen one day. I mean, we might get healed a few times along the way, and after this service today, there's a healing service, and let's believe God that you can go through life healed and with a great body and looking, but at some point, I've got to tell you, this body is decaying. At some point, this body that I'm in right now will die. There's only going to be one thing that matters on that day, and that's the spirit that I have in me. Jesus has the power to make you alive in Him. If we are in Him, we're alive. And at the end of this day, when this body goes off to be wherever it's going to go back into the ground where it came from, it's going to be whether or not we have the spirit of Jesus on the inside of us will be a thing of whether or not we live. So Joseph, when he was dying, made mention that the destination was not his death. The destination, you might, that's not the end. It's not like the end of your days. It's just, it's just part of the process. He says, we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So he was talking about Israel, and he was saying that he, 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 like, he knew that at some point they would, uh, they would depart from 400 years. Joseph was talking about something that would happen in 500 years' time. Joseph was, God had spoken to Joseph saying, you might be here now, But in 500 years' time, this whole nation is going to depart out of slavery and bondage because I have spoken a word, and not even 400 years of slavery or bondage will be able to keep this people in this land. When God speaks one word, it can reverse 400 years of bondage or slavery. You might have been like me. You might have been addicted to something. You might have been depressed by something. It doesn't. One word can change your life. One word, there is enough power in that one word to change everything about your future. Joseph understood it. We are just strangers and pilgrims. I'm just passing through. This might maybe be me today, but it's not going to be me tomorrow. I love Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for Joseph. Jesus starts with J. Joseph starts with J. There must be a connection there somewhere. Hey, congratulations to Leon, graduated C3 College, and so did Dan. Were there any other C3 graduates? Awesome, guys. It's so good. I, and I love last night, these guys are graduating to take the Word of God into their world. It's awesome, getting trained up. In Genesis chapter 37, let's read a little bit about Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of 
I don't know these names. Zilpa, you guys are the ones with the Bible college. You should know this stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made mention, uh, also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. I love the King James Version. It's, they could not speak peaceably to him. It's so prim and proper, isn't it? Uh, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Apparently, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Apparently, as church members, believers, we are brothers and sisters. The interesting thing about this story is that when Joseph revealed his dream to his brothers, they hated him because of his dream. Shouldn't have they encouraged him? Dan, I was talking, Dan's looking after me today and he said to me, he goes, hey, I finished Bible college, you know, or graduated last night and he revealed, he said to me, I got a dream. I want to be a minister. I want to preach and this is just the beginning for me. And, you know, he's all excited. Imagine if I'd said, I hate you. <laughs> You're not allowed to have a dream. I'm the only one that's allowed to have a dream. Imagine if with Pastor Hartley and Natalie that they reveal their dream about the future of this church and we're like, well, I don't want to get into that. That's not a very good one. You need to get a better dream. They're brothers and sisters. These are the, I mean, if you've never been hurt by a brother and sister yet, stick around <laughs> in church life for a little bit. And at some point, I'm sorry, but a brother or a sister will, will hurt you. But if you want to see the dream that God's put in your heart come to pass, you've got to be bigger than that. And you've got to stay pure hearted. The Bible says that the pure in heart will see God. The enemy is on a mission to make your heart bitter, is to offend you through something, through someone, through some person. Oh, he doesn't care how it happens. He just wants to make you bitter. If you get bitter about the church, or you get bitter about your leaders, or you get bitter about a decision they make, or something that happens, and bitterness gets in your heart, the dream that's in your heart won't be able to work. Joseph understood this, even though his brothers hated him. So he reveals this dream to them. He says, I'm going to tell you the dream, because I know you want to know. They didn't want to know. He said, I'm going to tell, we were out in the field one day and we were uh, harvesting the wheat and there was like, they put the wheat in these like bundles and there was like uh, 12 bundles, all our bundles of wheat, we laid them down in front of us. And he said, then the most amazing thing happened. It was like your 11 bundles, all like my, my bundle kind of stood up and your 11 bundles walked over to my bundle and all your 11 bundles bowed down. This was his dream. He's like, what do you reckon? What do you think of the dream? It's an awesome dream, isn't it? I was so happy when God gave me this. He's like, the brothers are like, we hate you. Terrible dream. Joseph is not deterred by this at all. So that night he goes off to sleep and God gives him another dream. And he says, the next dream is even better. The next dream he's, you know, he's the sun and he sees the moon, and then he sees like 11 stars, because he had 11 brothers, so the sun and the moon represent his mum and his dad, and then the 11 stars are his brothers, and so it says that the sun, and the moon, and then the 11 stars, and then Joseph's standing there, and they all come, and they all bow down to Joseph. So Joseph wakes up in the morning, guys, 
I gotta text you. Meet me at the shops this afternoon, and I'm gonna. Here, I'm gonna stand my. Meet me at the shops this afternoon, and uh, I'm gonna tell you another dream, since you liked the last one so much. This one is the other one was just bundles of wheat. This next dream, it was the sun and the moon and the stars all just. And you all worshipped me. Who wants to have a go now? It says they hated him even more now. But it says that uh, his dad kept that, those things in his heart. So one day the, the boys are out and they're, you know, looking after the sheep. And his dad says to him, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers, see where they're at. And so he goes to check on them and they're there and they see him coming. And in chapter 37, verse 19, it says, the brothers talking, it says, then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. What a horrible thing, even the, the sarcasm in that statement. You know, like I showed you a photo and it's like a dream photo. You could sit there with an attitude about that. Who does he think he is? Putting his photo with a stupid sword and a stupid little gun. What's he doing? I look at that girl and her Indian, what's that all about? It's just about having a dream because I think sometimes life gets too serious. And we can, the, the reality is that God wants us to be dreamers. He wants us to think outside the square. But when we get bitter about something, the whole dream factory inside of us closes down. And we become cynical and bitter. And then we lose that ability to dream. God wants us to dress up as a princess. Well, the girls. Not the guys. The brothers go, look. This dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him. My goodness, these are his brothers. Before they hated him, now because of his dream, they want to kill him. Kill him. And they have a little conversation. They go, well, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Let's throw him into a pit. That's better. And then they say this in verse 20. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say when the wild beast, uh, that a wild beast has devoured him, we shall see what will become of his dreams. We shall see what will become of his dreams when we throw him in this pit. You've got to understand, Joseph was 17 years old. These are his older brothers. He's a lot younger and he's a lot smaller than his older brothers. The 11 older brothers, come, they grab him. They rough him up a bit. They beat him up a bit. They throw him down into a pit. He's down in the bottom of the pit. And for some reason, every time I've read this, I just thought he could climb out. The reality is he couldn't climb out. He couldn't get out of the pit. He was down in a pit and he was stuck in the pit. Because later on it says that his brothers had to come and get him out of the pit. I've always just, in my mind, I've thought he must have been out if he wanted to. I've learned this in life that often there will be these pit moments. So promise number two. You will die at some point, and you will have plenty of pit moments before you do. There will be plenty of moments in life where you'll find yourself in a pit. You might have been upset, offended, let down, whatever it might be, but there'll be plenty of them along the way. And I've learned this, that I'm, it's nearly impossible to get out of those moments on your own. That's why God puts us in the church. He says, you're not going to be on your own. There will be brothers and sisters, and the purpose of the brothers and sisters is to pull you out of the pit that you find, not if I get in a pit, when I get in a pit. It, 
There's going to be pit moments, let me tell you. Life is not all rosy and daisy and it's all good along the way. We can put cool photos up and share our favorite stories, but there are plenty along the way where we find ourselves in this thing. Joseph in the pit, I don't know what happened to him while he was there, it doesn't tell us. But I know this, what you do in the pit matters. What you do while you're in the pit matters. You can get bitter in the pit, you can have a tantrum in the pit, you can decide to stay in the pit. You can say, this is, you know, it's a, now we uh, have the naughty corner for kids. Go to the naughty corner. You've been naughty. Get to the naughty corner and think about what you've done. You know the naughty corner's not in the Bible. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It says that rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will beat it far from them. <laughs> it doesn't talk about the naughty corner or all this new age parenting technique or rah, rah, rah. It doesn't talk about organic things and the good food. That's all stuff that we've introduced. The reason for that is isolation is not good for us. Right in the beginning, God said it is not good for man to be alone. Isolation is not good for us. We're never meant to be alone. We're never meant to find ourselves. The problem with that is it has an emotional thing. If we find ourselves in the naughty corner, we think, and we get told, go to the naughty corner and think about what you've done. Thinking about what you've done, while it's only going to make it bigger and worse, and you're going to want to stay in the naughty corner. And then it's like at the end of the naughty corner, your parents go, right, now come out of the naughty corner. And as a kid, you're like, no! <laughs> you, I can't forget. I'm staying in the naughty corner. It's like, I didn't want to go, but now that you've put me there, I'm staying. No, you make me come. It's just this, I haven't got time to send my kids to the naughty, it's just, just a good smack on the bum. And even Jesus himself just gave a quick rebuke to Peter when Peter made a mistake. It was a quick rebuke. It's better with a loving cuddle afterwards. Anyway, just some parenting advice. I know I just lost the respect of all the mums. <laughs> Don't get bitter on me. Isolation is not good for you. Joseph had to find a way out of the pit. He couldn't. The same people that put him in the pit came and said to him, why don't you come out of the pit? We're not going to leave you in there. So, but he had to accept the help of the very people that put him in there to start with which must have been a very humbling thing for him. You're the ones that put me in this pit. I'm going to stay in this pit. Who are the ones? It's you that's done this to me. He didn't. He accepted the help from the people that put him in there. Okay. Joseph lived deluded. Just constantly, they didn't mean it. They love me. I'm not going to get bitter about it. I'm not going to get twisted about it. I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm going to rise above it. So they get him out of the pit. He's like, thanks, guys. I knew you didn't mean it. I, didn't, I knew you loved me. I knew that was just all a joke, you know, the pit thing. Throwing me. I knew that you didn't mean any of that. No, 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 we did. Now we're going to sell you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, that'll be all right. Don't worry about it. You're going to sell me. I know, I'll come back one. Somehow Joseph just kept his heart pure right through the pit moments of life. He goes and gets... Uh, goes and starts working for Pharaoh, and he finds himself working for this guy called Potiphar. And then uh, the interesting thing is that, you know, Joseph's dad gave him a coat of many colors, and it was the coat that condemned him. It was what he chose to wear. An amazing thing is he gets given this coat of many colors, and he puts it on. I'll wear it. It was that coat that literally caused his brothers to hate him. It was, it's like, 
when you choose to serve God, you're putting the target on your back. You're saying yes to God. It means if you say yes to God, there's going to be some opposition to that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. I'm going to live for God. So it was the coat. When he's working for Potiphar in the house, there's this woman, and she's trying to seduce him, Potiphar's wife. And uh, it says that one day she gets like, it all gets awkward. There's no one in the home. This woman's trying to seduce him. And it says that he goes to run away and she grabs his coat. And he was smart enough to run. But once again, it was the coat that condemned him. She takes the coat and she says uh, to Potiphar, he says, look, I got his coat. He was in the house. He was trying to seduce me. He gets treated badly again. Now he finds himself in prison. It's like constantly, it's like life, he finds himself in prison, but he does his gift in prison, while he's in prison, there's the baker, and there's the, uh, the, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, and they both have dreams, and Joseph does his gift, he interprets their dreams. The reality is this, he wouldn't have been able to interpret their dreams if he was bitter about what God had done with him or through him. Or He wouldn't have been able to do his gift because when you get bitter, your gift shuts down. That's why it says, like I said before, the pure in heart will see God. We've got to keep our heart pure as we come to this end of this year, 2015. I don't know what might have happened. Plenty of things happen over the course of a year. It'd be a great time of the year to go, radio. anyone that's wronged me, I forgive them. I'm not going to let my, because God has got a dream that he's put in my heart. God has got a word that he's spoken over my life, and I'm not going to let some attack of the enemy take me out. I'm not going to let some bad word or someone or something rob me of the dream that God's put in my heart. I'm going to keep my heart pure about this thing. Maybe leadership's treated you badly or whatever, or church or friends or family. Don't let those things rob you. and Don't get a big attitude about it. Oh, they don't want to stay in the naughty corner. I'm going to stay here and they're not getting me out and they should apologize for what they may not apologize for what they've done. But don't let that rob you because you've got to believe the word of God over your life. Joseph was left by his brothers, was, was let down by his boss and constantly believed that the word of God and the dream that God gave me will come to pass one day if I just believe in that word. I'll keep believing in the word that God has spoken over my life. And so he does, he finds himself getting, rises to the top. I haven't even read a note. Should I check a note? Who cares? He finds himself rising to the top because the favor and the dream, and he decided, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get twisted about this. I'm going to stay pure despite what happens. And the day comes where his whole family comes and they all bow down and worship him. Imagine, like hindsight, you know, like, well, I knew it was going to be this way because I just, I never doubted. He would have, I mean, he would have doubted along the way. He would have doubted, but he just chose not to get bitter toward God. He doubted, I mean, faith and fear always work together. Like, you're always going to be like feeling like, oh, I'm going to have to step out here. And faith and, they're going to work together. But you've got to keep your heart pure. In the process, I've had people say all sorts of things to me because of my past, because of different things, whatever. You'll never make it. You'll never do it. And like if I, if I sat there and dwelt on those words, 
those words would be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They would, they would probably happen. I just choose not. People leave our church. Oh, you're a useless leader, useless pastor, and I hate you. I had a lady one day say to me, she came up to me. This is awesome, brothers and sisters in church. She came up and she said to me, she goes, we're leaving. I said, okay. She said, and just to let you know the reason why we're leaving your church, because my husband hates you. I said, okay. Thank you for sharing. God bless. She goes, no, 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 no. Just so you know, out of everyone in the church, he hates you the most. I get it. You don't need to explain it anymore. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank is nice doing life with you. And that's what happens. And the, but you never hear of those people again because it's something got in. And I feel sorry for them. You've got to get over things. You've got to move on. Joseph moved on because you come back to the fact that that word and that that dream that God has placed in your heart will come to pass. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. It's going to come to pass in 2016. In Jesus' name, yeah, we can have the band can come. And The reality is sometimes we find ourselves in situations in life that are just not fair. They're not fair. And uh, there's all sorts of things that happen to us along the way, and no one's exempt, but there are moments and there are fights that we get into. Joseph got into a fight with his brothers, 11 onto 1, older brothers onto the youngest. He was the smallest, the smallest, the littlest. The fight was not fair. He got thrown into a pit and couldn't get out on his own. Life is not fair. I don't understand uh, why certain things happen to us. We can be serving God and we think, this shouldn't have happened. I've been serving, I've been faithful, I've been doing what you ask, Lord. Why has this happened to me? This is not fair. It's not fair, but I mean, I don't understand it all. And I know there are things that happen to all of us that aren't fair. Joseph gets, he gets beat up and thrown down in that pit. But there was another person that one day got thrown into a pit. His name was Jesus Christ. And he got thrown into the pit. And there is only one person that ever got himself out of a pit on his own. His name was Jesus. The Bible says that God raised him up out of that pit. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So often we find ourselves in this fight and we're thinking it's not fair and I've got good reason to get bitter and to get twisted about that, but life is not fair. What you do in the pit matters and you've got a decision you can make right here today. While I'm in the pit, I'm going to train. While I'm in the pit, I'm going to read God's Word. While I'm in the pit, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. While I'm in the pit, I'm going to speak the Word, and that Word is going to get me out of this pit. There is enough power in the Word of God to get you out of any pit, any problem that you're facing, any depression, any anxiety. There is enough power in this Word to raise you up out of that. Oh, I can get pretty, because I've seen God get me out of many pits. He gets me out of all sorts of pits constantly. He is the redeemer. It says he drew me out of the miry clay. He drew me out of the deepest sea. You found yourself in a pit. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. He can get you out. He's going to get you out of whatever you find yourself in. David got into a fight, King David, with a giant Goliath. David was also a young boy like Joseph, a shepherd, so amazing. 
Saul comes over and says, why don't you wear this armor? David goes, no. I don't need that worldly armor. I've got a spiritual armor. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds and every high thing that will try and exalt itself against the... Let God exalt you. Let God exalt you in due time. Let Him be the one that lifts you out of that thing. Don't try and force your way out. Let God lift you up out of that. David goes into this fight with Goliath and he's got five little stones. It's such a cool story. Five little stones and he might have been thinking, God, this is ridiculous. The dream you've put in my heart compared to the attack that I'm facing is just not proportionate to what I'm currently, I've got five little stones and you want me to kill a giant. It's impossible, Lord. It's impossible. God can do more through an obedient person, through five small stones, through one word, through one dream. You might find yourself up against a giant. Even this year in 2015, you might have found yourself up against some giants. Some things happened to you and you're like, why on earth has this happened? I'm a good person. I come to church. I give. I do everything that Pastor Natalie and they asked me to do and why has this happened to me? You found yourself in a pit. Let's all close our eyes this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Right now, in Jesus' name, from the top of everyone's head to the soles of their feet, Lord God, let fresh dreams, fresh visions come into their hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let the anointing break the yoke and break every bit of bondage, break every bit of depression, every bit of anxiety, Lord, as we start to speak the word into our future. We start to speak the word into the things that have happened to us, Lord God. We know that, Lord, your word is going to produce fruit. We know, God, that you will crown this year with goodness. We know, God, that you'll crown our lives with goodness. We know, God, that our paths will drip with an abundance, Lord, in Jesus' name. We might not be experiencing that currently, God, but we know that if we stick around, we know if we keep believing in your word, we know if we keep serving, we know if we keep going, God, that you'll get us out of any pit, you'll get us out of any low place, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm praying here this morning, there are some people here, and God is calling you up and out. You have let bitterness and despair keep you in a place but today is your day there is a new hope for you here today in Jesus mighty name there is the power of God in your word the Bible says that man does not live by bread alone but by every word thank you God thank you Lord I'm telling you it's going to be a brand new day 2016 is going to be your best year yet why I always want to know why because the Word of God says it's going to be. The Word of God says 2016 is going to be better than 2015. I want to ask here this morning if you're here and maybe you were like me and you'd never, you found yourself in a pit, you found yourself in a problem. God is, uh, God is fighting for you.
is fighting for you. I found myself that day in my lounge room with something in this hand and something in this hand. God was in a fight for my soul that day. And that day, I don't know why, for whatever reason, but that day I said, God, I choose you. I choose you over my past. I choose you over my problems. I choose you over everything else. Lord, today I choose you. And I want to ask here this morning, if you're here and you've never chosen God, you've never prayed a prayer, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you've never asked God to come into your world, maybe you've come to church today and you're thinking, man, I just, I feel flat, I feel tired, I used to go to church, I used to be involved, but things happened that took me out, and today I want to make a fresh commitment. At the end of 2015, I want to make a fresh commitment to God, and I want to come back to God. In just a moment, I would love to pray with you. I would love for you to just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, not yet. So if, if you're thinking, I want to I start a relationship with God. I want to have Him come into my life. Or today you're thinking, I want to come back to Him. I want to make a fresh commitment today. Just as every eye is closed here this morning, if that's you and you're thinking, I would like to do that, I want to choose God or I want to come back to God, would you just raise your hand for me right now? Just say, yeah, that's me. Lift your hand up. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's fantastic. Is there any more today? That's fantastic. Thank you. I see your hand. Is there anyone else today? Maybe you just feel like I need to get on fire. I need to get on fire again. I've let myself get, get worn out. I've let myself get bitter. Things have happened, but today I want to get on fire. I want to be like David. Is there anyone else this morning? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everyone, you can open your eyes again. Those of you that raised your hand, I would love for you to leave your seat and come and stand down the front here, and I want to pray with you. Can we give them a hand, guys, as they come? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. your name? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel's in the Bible. Come on, I like it. Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer. I just want you to pray this prayer after me. Say this, thank you, Lord. Can we all, let's all pray it. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I receive Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. I renounce the devil. Forgive me, God of any sin that I might have committed. I thank you, Lord, that I am born again, that I am brand new, that I am in you, Christ. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. Let me just pray for you guys. Father, right now, Lord, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, let the power of God come upon him. Let the call of God and the dreams that are in his heart come anew, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let a brand new day, all things have passed away and all things have become new, Lord, in Jesus' name. Forget the past, son. Look to the future. Thank you, God. Father, right now, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, fill him, God, with your presence, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
thank you, God. Father, touch him, God. In Jesus' name, let all things become new. Holy Spirit, fill him. It's a brand new day for you. It is a brand new day. Thank you, God. I, there's a great scripture. It says, all things have passed away and all things have become new. And uh, the key is that I'm not going to remember yesterday. That might have been me yesterday, but it's not me today. I'm going to look to the future. I'm going to look to Him who has saved me. Amen? Awesome, guys. Well done. Thanks, man. Awesome. I want to hand back to Pastor Hartley. You're going to... Hey, these guys here, we've got some people behind you. Love to give you a Bible, have a quick chat. So good to see you, Daniel. Awesome. We could do that. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? It's awesome.